Greetings! Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. I in understand. the universe, in fact. The universe, my mistake. No, Hold no, no. Hold on a second. <laughs> Whose voice is that? Uh, I am uh, a mysterious individual, sometimes referred to as Peter. Um, I, am, uh, I am not your usual gel person. So finally now, the truth comes out. All along, Joe has been living a double life in both New York and Britain as well. He has uh, been concealing it from all of us, but he's actually British. He's, he's sprouted a new form, uh, a separate bespoke individual during the American Revolution uh, <laughs> oh. as a double agent and has yep. been living among us all this time. Intelligence in the walls of the White House and all of that stuff. Uh, anyway, sure, we'll go. We'll go with that. <laughs> point is, uh, uh, is this is this bit of an unprecedented? Uh, has is this not is since this... the early early days? Okay, yes, yes. Eero, as the lore, as as Glorio's lore master, I, th- I suppose you would be the most mm. well equipped to remember uh, the old the old times mm-hmm. of the Glorio chat. Not since. Many, I don't know if uh, since the podcast reboot, if we've had a non gel episode, mm. I don't think so. Oh, but uh, uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> don't worry, you're already doing way better than we are, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, who are you anyway? <laughs> Me, I'm Zig. I'm uh, occasionally on this podcast. Hi, oh my god, we're doing like these intros all out of order, but oh, no. I know, oh, crazy, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh okay i'm g what's good y'all i'm iro Iro, still here not dead yet mm-hmm. i do think iro that uh this uh-huh. means that now you have out you have been in more podcasts than gel the actual host of this podcast uh-huh makes sense <laughs> that's so, me i'm still here the, i'm not just, dead yet by the uh, rules of podcast seniority that means a coup d'etat is in order yeah mm. actually it, maybe maybe we should make iro host this podcast <laughs> Hmm. No, no, I will never take that. me alive. <laughs> Eero has prepared the cyanide capsule in his tooth just for this day when he would be asked my to host the death, podcast. My false death pill, and then <laughs> when you turn your back, I will use the revival pill yeah, exactly. and play the animation backwards, and then shoot but, you in the back. Yeah, don't leave it on the game over screen too long, though, or you'll die for real. I use that thing uh, judiciously to get my no alerts run because if you simply hit continue, it still counts as an alert. So, Peter, you have to now I think exit. you realize like <laughs> what you're gonna have to keep the reins on because this is what happens when. The kids are left alone to play, so... Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and be the, uh, the grown-up in this situation. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose, shall we... Uh, uh, did I say I'm Peter? Like, I, you, I, did, you did, you did. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, yes, I know, it's, it's a lot to stay on top of. Um, so, um, uh, shall, we, shall we start with uh, our first show? Sure, let's just roll right mm-hmm. into it. Uh, let's talk about To Your Eternity. Let us Indeed. talk. So there have been a couple of episodes since we last talked about it. I mean, right? we're done. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's over. But I mean, I mean, there's not just that finale episode. We also saw the end of the uh, Crime, Crime Island. Island. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. The, uh, well, Zig, as the non-manga reader uh, <laughs> among us, uh, I do I need to give you the, the floor for this. 
Before okay. we just bum rush you immediately after. Um, <laughs> I don't think the Crime Island arc was very good, and I think that the show has kind of been on a downward slope for a while now, which made it all the more surprising that that final episode is fantastic. It's incredibly good, really well put together. Yes. Reminded me of a lot of the punch that the earlier episodes of the show has, and there's some creative choices which I don't necessarily agree with, but I think they left us in a really fascinating place, and, you know, I think that, um, I don't think that they reached the cutting off point that you've been alluding to throughout they this did run. Not. Right? No, right. they okay. very yeah. much nope. did not. Yeah. Right, okay, but I think, you know, I think obviously with the knowledge that it's an ongoing story you know i think that they reached a very good emotional inflection point sure you know mm-hmm. and kind of like it feels like and obviously you know the the actual material supports this but it feels like the end of childhood you know it feels like the end of the early days of this story you know and and uh, i really i really enjoyed it you know and i think that I think that finishing at that point left me better disposed to the Crime Island arc, which, again, I still don't think is good, but if you see it as kind of an awkward adolescent phase, I think it kind of works in that sense. And, and you know, it, it's, it's messy and ugly and kind of circuitous, but at the end of the day, it got us where we needed to go. I just don't think I was particularly fond of how it did it. I, I think that's right. fair, Zig. Um, again, I, I will maintain as someone who, you know, look, we, we, we repeat this every <laughs> week, and it doesn't it's not really that rock-solid of an argument, but we have to say it anyways, but, like, as readers of the manga, I think... I do think I will still maintain that the To Your Eternity anime, or that story is failed by its anime adaptation. I think that... Uh, Crime Island is not perfect, but, Iro, as somebody who recently read, like, parts of the manga that were just yeah. adapted, would you say that... The pacing works better in a manga format than... I think it does, and I think just uh, because of the realities of anime production, where mm-hmm. you would get episodes that just, frankly, looked bad um, Yes, in a manga form where it's a more con- much more consistent presentation yeah. uh, across the board. That helps it a lot, I think. Right. I will say that the, the back half of the Crime Island Arcs attempts to do you know, body horror and stuff were greatly impeded by the very limited animation. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Like, that is definitely, like, an area... Like, that, right. that's the thing that I point to when, like, when people argue, like, a good story is a good story regardless. This is why I argue that we are, we are speaking about a visual medium. Like, I remember reading the manga and, like, how deeply unsettling the reveal of the knockers are. Especially their ability to... Uh, subsume human beings. One, uh, one specific example I can think of, I can point to, is that there's there's a bit where a knocker tries to invade Hayase's arm and she, like, rips it out of her arm uh, and, like, tosses it away. And in the anime, she does this and you're like, damn, she ripped that out of her arm. Wouldn't it be, like, gross? But, and, but like, you can kind of see her arm and it's it just looks normal because of the right. anime. Like, I guess you can't show too much violence but in the manga no like she did rip that out of her arm and it is like I, tor- I, torn I, and fleshy right yeah i i definitely think as well in terms of you know the idea that this 
story was meant to end with basically a zombie invasion. Like, it's kind of hard to take too seriously when there's, like, instead of, like, a thousand zombies on the screen, there are ten, and they kind right. of move at two frames a second, you know? It feels right. like, also like I'm fighting an zombie, army yeah. in a PS1. Like, like there's definitely an aspect where I think <laughs> that, like, the gravitas of the situation is failed by the production of the adaptation. I, I am, I will say, like, I... St- so, a lot of the things Iro and I were saying at the beginning of our coverage of To Your Eternity were based on the assumption that it was not going to receive a sequel. Right. And so, that is why many of our feelings about how the show was going to wrap up were couched in a very certain type of language. And honestly, it is still couched in that language because, like, this now means that this, like, this thing, this thing that Iro and I keep alluding to will happen in, like, episode the, two of right, season maybe, two. Maybe episode three, yeah. And that's, like, really, yeah, I, that makes it even more awkward that, like, season two is going to open up with this gigantic, like, thematic climax. And it's... And I, I think that can work in the sense that you're looking to make a splash for a new season, but one of the creative decisions I did think was very weird was, the, like, the 30 seconds we get at the end of the final episode of... Mm-hmm. Adult Fushi I, just yes that 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 is a cliffhanger know. that a, a manga chapter did end on right before a a, a short break of a few weeks too yes but that's right. the thing right like that but, sort of thing works when it's a couple of weeks because then it's like, right well, but it's but it's gonna be like a year a year right? right so that means that like for many people they're going to spend the next year with their last image of of Fushi being like him a little older and grizzled and like laughing at a dead knocker and it's like it just doesn't have the punch right like. I, I, I mean, it certainly it, raises some questions. But sure, it, but... It's just kind of so out of left field that you're right. kind of left feeling puzzled, which is odd because the whole of that last episode mm. is so very good at, you know, sort of wrapping up an emotional yeah. thought. Yeah. You know? like, so it's, it's just kind of a kind of a bit of a... It feels like a bit of a uh, non-secretor. You know? it, it almost feels like an adaptation that it, on one hand is lacking in its, like, budget and time, but is also, like, weirdly slavishly loyal to the source material, because this is a section where, like, I would almost argue some liberties being taken with pacing and timing would actually really benefit the anime. Like, Ian mm-hmm. and I have talked about this a lot, but there is an introduction of a character and or even a group of characters that will be meeting with fushi soon that even just teasing them as your post-credit stinger would have like had a lot more impact and would have you asking a lot more questions would lead more gracefully into uh the the, the meta plot of season two yeah like because like it because that's the thing the last episode does here and there like prod and poke at those moments right like the last episode does show that uh you know that it is implied that Hayase survives, right? That uh, in some form, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like uh, after her confrontation with the knocker. Um, I mean, that's it, it, not a huge surprise, right? Right, but there's you know there's implications of what was the deal Pyoran made with the man in black, right? Like mm-hmm. there are like good lingering plot points that I almost feel would have been stronger cliffhangers than the one they picked, and it's a shame because I I agree with you, Zig. It's it's a funny thing that like. I mean, I think it is fitting, and I am glad that, like, if Brainspace had only so much time and effort that they put them in the two episodes that matter the most, the first and the last, <laughs> but it, it, is, it, it makes it a bittersweet, thing, a, bitter, a bittersweet thing that, like, I, I'm glad they did Pyoran justice. I'm really yeah. glad that they gave her... 
I, I cared but, but, more about Piran, who had not appeared for like in any meaningful capacity for like a dozen <laughs> exactly. episodes yeah, than yeah. any of those kids on And it, it's a shame. It, it, it really it really is a shame that like the way the pacing worked out, it's like you lose out on this character for such a long stretch of time. And uh yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm curious, like it's it's definitely a thing of like my feelings on To Your Eternity would be much different if it had ended here, but Knowing it's going to get a sequel, it's it's a weird thing. I, that doesn't necessarily make me feel more positive on it, but it's more mm-hmm. like maybe I'll be willing to continue seeing how they try to adapt to this yeah. going forward. I, I hope that they do not do the standard anime thing and cut the budget for a sequel, because <laughs> I, I think that, like, look... Higher production values would not have been a balm to solve all the problems with especially the second half of the show, but I think it would have gone somewhere, somewhat, yeah. to yes. to help, you know. And my hope is, perhaps with a season under their belt, that Brains Base can perhaps, you know, get a slightly better grasp of where to apply maximum pressure, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Well, so, we'll see. Well, mm-hmm. yes. if you are interested in where we'll continue, I do urge you to read the manga. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, yes, this is our this is your regular Golden Kamui reminder. Uh, read the manga. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, um, I, I've not watched To Your Eternity, um, or, or read, um, but... Um, I am. I'm. I'm curious as to what the. Um, this is as someone in like doing radio and stuff. Like I'm. I'm kind of interested on the production side of things because To Your Eternity was broadcast on uh, NHK Educational, um, uh, rather than like the usual right. TV Tokyo or MBS mm-hmm. or BSSI yeah. or anything. I mean like that. that that was part of what gave it cachet, right? It was right. on the other hand, shows such as Log Horizon have also aired on the NHK. So, so... <laughs> I would not like go as so far as to ascribe that as like a sign of prestige. Like no, Log Horizon no. also a famously kind of low budget show, so <laughs> mm-hmm. Um no, I was thinking more on I um on the lines of um how much uh uh, violence that they could show because oh, that, yeah that's because uh, I, uh, I, I picked up on something you mentioned uh, when you, you're saying that compared to the manga it, it, there were bits of it that seemed a lot tamer than, than yeah, what were in the manga I'd, I'd say it's still fairly violent by yeah, like, you know, and, and non also, like, late if, night anime if, standards if, if we're talking about like just content like you know there are children dying on screen there mm-hmm. is a naked woman on screen for a couple seconds like I, I I'm not like I, yeah. I I I have no clue. Like I, I'm speaking completely out of ignorance here. I don't know what NHK's like broadcasting standards are, but there's nothing right. about Two Returning that strikes me as like ah, it was intentionally neutered for right, right, yeah, uh, right. the channel. Yeah, yeah. I I had a fairly strong reaction to some of the stuff that they put on screen, you know, and I don't think that like bathing it in buckets of blood right. would necessarily I mean, it's have not, made... It's not one of yeah. those types of shows. Yeah. Anyway. No. Right. There, there was... There, there, and to my re- recollection, there's no, like, black ink smears censoring gore or anything, either, in Tyranity. Right. So... We don't, we don't have the big black uh, blob yeah. Over, yeah. Fushi, jo- Fushi. Over, over Jotaro smoking. <laughs> right, Fushi like... ain't smoking a blunt here or something. <laughs> but also, if he was, he's like 800 years old, so like it should be, it should be <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I just was a bit curious on that. Sure, mm-hmm. fair enough. <laughs> 
I mean, the the only thing that I can say is like just the stuff I've heard anecdotally is that um, when it comes to anime production, like budget is an issue, obviously, but time is always the. It's main always issue. usually time, yeah, yeah. And yeah, money. Yes, so that that is why I usually try to say both budget and time, or sometimes manpower. Sometimes it's all three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, time uh, and manpower are linked, right? Yes, like, the yes. more the more manpower you have. The less time, like you can get more things done in less less yes, time. So, uh, yeah. As a programmer, I would disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, of show that seems to yes. have its production uh, yes. handled quite well. I mean, when you're, I think uh, sometimes these Western car productions, ha- like, will have more time put into them. They bring a little money. They bring a little time. You say, yeah. They, uh, Seems like that. They got the well, golden briefcase that they opened up, and it's full of it's full of it's full of uh, what what are they yeah. called? Uh, Bullion. No, Doubloons. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say hourglasses to uh, represent time, uh, but sure. <laughs> thought you were trying to segue here. I was. All right. All right. Well, whatever. We're talking about pirate princess. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. I. I, I Zig, have you watched any, or is it just me and Eero on this one? No, um, I think I think I'm one episode behind on this. Okay. I think I haven't seen the very like the last one I saw was the one where the like quirky mini boss squad trapped them inside the hidden cave. Yes, we uh, we have not watched this week's episode yet, so okay, we are yeah, we yeah. are in pace. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that show continues to be what it is you know and that's not Uh meant to be a criticism you know it is a very fun enjoyably pulpy adventure i really do wish that like every other anime did not have to have joan of arc in it (laughs) what you're not you're not here for another uh, joan of arc secretly survived uh being burnt at the stake i i heard i don't know how true this is but i heard that when she goes and looks at the the door or whatever that uh there are signs that it is the grave of one of the people who claimed to be Joan of Arc. Oh, that would be really death. good. And because... it was supposedly one of the somewhat more credible claims. Uh, that's very good because uh, I can't go full histo- we can't go full Legend of the Glory Heroes historical tangent here, but like one of the favorite things about like the immediate post like Joan of Arc execution era is the like weird cottage industry of Joan of Arc imposters. That started, like, popping up throughout continental I mean, Europe. That happens every time somebody... Like, look up all the fake yeah. Anastasia Romanovs. Yeah, but it's just, like, it's, 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 it's just like the thing of, like, ah, we live in this era before, like, photography and, like, accurate, like, identification. So, if you could just walk the walk and talk the talk, like... <laughs> yeah. People uh, might just believe you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how true that, uh, that claim was. I did not... Uh, do any research myself sure. is what I saw some people well, saying. Well, I, I could see, the anime being the anime, I could easily see them doing the thing of, oh, that imposter actually was Joan of Arc. Switched but places. Under, yeah, a new, a new Elias see, or something, see the, you know. See, the, like, the hole in that argument, though, is if you're Joan of Arc and you've escaped being burnt at the stake by a rabidly furious English army, you're not going to come out and then say, hey, I'm Joan of Arc, are you? But don't you see? That's the big brain play. She's <laughs> pretending to be someone pretending to be you Joan of Arc. You wouldn't me again, would you? Exactly. Anyway, no, they would. damn. I, I have, I have. La Pucelle, what a genius! <laughs> I have been amused by Fena's willingness to just throw everything into the pot. Cause fuck it. Like right, first, yes, first just... we had like pirates. 
and they were ninja pirates. And I was like, all right, anime, you got to nice. get your Japanese Nipponi steel in here to, mm-hmm. to show that you're the best martial artists around Hold or whatever. 1,000 times, baby. And then we include Joan of Arc. And I'm like, all right, anime, you got Joan of Arc in here. All right. And then they go to the, the temple hidden in the tomb, and it's leading them to El Dorado! Yes! And I'm like, so alright, I guess we're just oh, gonna man. do everything. The moment they revealed the map was for, was leading to El Dorado, I was like, alright, I'm, I'm I'm locked in. I am locked in for Fina. Like, it's, you are clearly just gonna ex- go... <laughs> Sorry, it's go the ahead. kind of extremely dumb thing that you yes. need as an objective in a show this pulpy. Exactly, it, it works for me. I, I, I'm entirely here for it. Like I, uh-huh. I, I almost like I don't need it to be wackier. I almost wish it leaned even more into that like pulpy direction. But uh... yeah, well, you know, they're the they're the goblin ninja knights, the the people, the descendants of those famed warriors who slaughtered thousands of Spanish soldiers at the Battle of Dunkirk. Oh my god, right, yes, thank you for like, reminding me of that hero. Which is the but... same, Ninja Slayer, as yes. a joke, is talking about how ninjas fought in the Texas War of Independence, right? And that's like... It's a Fena, funny, like, Fena's tidbit. Fennas just say but... the straight face. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, like Ninja Slayer is doing that as a joke to just, like, how mix absurd, absurd words yeah. together. By the way, you missed, it was the Ninja Texan War of oh, Independence. Of course, of course. Uh, I, I just wonder if, like... The writer is genuinely unaware that there is an incredibly famous Battle of Dunkirk and just pulled the name out of a hat. You Were know? there ever um, Spanish troops deployed there? Because they explicitly say no, there like, multiple battles of Dunkirk. Yeah, but I mean, the famous one is the World War Two one. Right? Yes, but, yes, but right. I think they're alluding to like a more medieval one. Yes. You know, uh, oh, but... also, also the pirate, the pirate queen, or the captain's name oh, right. is. Uh, Grace O'Malley. Grace O'Malley, except she speaks Spanish. You also, know, those she has Spanish Irish people hanging about. <laughs> also, um... she has a tan that no Irishman could ever like realistically achieve. Like a, a completely impossible. Like, I, <laughs> I think you know, steering back onto the actual show. For sure. <laughs> I I think my major issue with it so far is I like the show. I like the silly things that are happening. I like the baddies. I think, you know, the quirky miniboss squad of lady pirates, including lady with mm-hmm. a four-barreled shotgun or rifle or whatever, is great. Um, like, our heroic ninjas are kind of bland and interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. Like, Iroh, you and I, like, when we were watching that episode, we briefly got confused over which tall, dark, handsome guy was which at one point <laughs> as well, as if you, mm. if you recall. Like, it's just, they're not terrible, you know, they're perfectly likeable, but they they seem kind of subdued compared to, like, the crazy shit that's happening in the plot. I think an issue that, like, the plot, the cast runs into, that I'm going to approach from a pure, like, explicitly a visual character design uh, standpoint is, okay, so of your ninja band, not only are they all wearing kind of the same clothes, like, the same uniform and style, like, in fact, we'll right. contrast them to, like, the pirate squad that shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Pirates show up, immediately you see huge diversity in body type, clothing, uh, complexion. Uh, right, uh, they, they follow the classic cartoon rules of give everybody a distinctive outline. Exactly. Right. There's the big lady, there's the lady with the gun, there's the, the, the sh- you know, the, the sharp-looking one. There's the but, jacked lady. But, but know, with, the, yeah. with, the, with the ninjas, it's like, okay, it's like katana ninja, <laughs> uh, uh, bow ninja... 
uh, ninja twins uh-huh. who have a similar build to the like younger, more responsible ninja. Yeah, uh, like those ninja three girl. definitely. Yeah. Ninja girl who stands out because she is ninja girl, and then quiet big guy, and it's like. Yeah, like like Iro and I would even watch even it, then we... Ninja Girl has like the same like dark flowing hair as several of the tall yeah. handsome guys. Oh, for so. sure. Yep. It's like we literally forgot that they left one of the ninja guys on the submarine until he shows up at the end of the episode, like yep. the the more responsible one because he just looks like the twins. So <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're just not doing a great job of making... Like, Fina herself is fine. She's cool. You know, I like her a lot. But everybody else is kind of wallpaper. Yeah, And and again, you know, it's not an egregious crime. Like, I think they're perfectly likeable. They at least do a good job of making them semi-humorous. But they're just kind of interchangeable. Yeah. But I, I am enjoying the show, though, as just a pulpy action adventure there's no st- there's there are no emotional stakes here it is just swashbuckle time yeah i do yeah, also I... always enjoy when we go to medieval anime europe which <laughs> is you know a good a good fun trip yes. through some <laughs> weird just, you know just sail our, sail our submarines through the rivers of france yeah <laughs> You know, that. sail across the Atlantic Ocean in a trip that would have taken months. Well, their submarine is advanced. It only took a few weeks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> is it time? I think uh... it is time. I think it is time to talk about D Side uh... Trauma Ray, the animation. Oh, what a mess! Have you been what following this one, mess. Peter? Uh, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, fine. I think I haven't because I don't think any show could possibly be more entertaining than hearing G and Iro describe the show. So God. I eagerly await this. Uh. Okay, so it's been a few episodes. So th- th- there's an issue here of I-, I am falling into the problem of we have watched just enough episodes that I am having trouble like remembering. Specific. Every single detail, but okay. Let's see here. All right. Because so there, there was still the the tail end of protagonists from the mobile games in town, right? Right, right. City beef. Because right, they, get, they beef. get caught in the the elevator. Yes. Which was not about region. Which was kind of a regional beef, but not about regional regional beef. Yes. Uh, but but basically, <laughs> it's kind of like a weird bottle episode where. The protagonist from the gacha game and the protagonist of the anime basically hash it out, and they're like, you know, there's good and bad things about living in the city versus, you know, the countryside, and uh-huh. maybe we can all come together through our united, like, mutual interests in whatever, right. stopping the uh-huh. baddies. Meanwhile, the rest of the cast is on the roof of the building fighting the monster, who is like... The monster before when they were still human, they they bullied somebody, and then that person killed themselves, and then now this the person is the monster is feeling guilty or, or something. Well, no, no, it's that she got 
cyberbullied by herself once the news got out. Right. Basically. Right. Like she got I'm doxxed the by here. people. Right. right. So there's there's some full on like actually I'm the victim here bullshit. Right. <laughs> As in like, like, but there's also no time given to. We also we yes, just cut thing. to this occasionally. Well, the other guys like, are like having a heart to hurt in the elevator. Imagine imagine a bottle episode in which two characters are locked in an elevator hashing out their personal issues, and then it occasionally cuts to thirty second segments of a monster explaining how she drove a girl to suicide and got doxxed in retribution and it's just like explained so matter of factly just like that's just good dichotomy man that's you know parallel writing parallel pathos oh it's so it's so crazy Uh, anyways they hash out their beef and uh-huh. then the next episode is uh is the time loop one. Oh yes. god. Okay. That's right. God, remember the time loop? God, that was a week ago. <laughs> uh anyway. Uh, yes. Uh they turns out they're they're reliving the same day at school over and over. Are uh, you saying that they've become trapped in an infinite recursion of time? Yes, because the victim of the week is you know so stressed about you know, having to graduate high school and enter life that he used the magic candy to, to make a time loop yes. of them in high school. You know, it's, it's just kind of a classic, like, you know, a kid afraid to grow up, you know, like, worried about, like, you know, the ways in which, in ways and in, in how one can be hurt by becoming an adult, right? And it's, like, it's actually, like, fairly relatable, but, like, the protagonists are, like, weirdly really shitty to him. Uh-huh. Like, the two girls basically call him a fuck. Like they basically call him an incel loser and like laugh You're at just him. A spoiled Brent, if you don't want to go, uh, if you want to want to move on with your life. And like, it's maybe so- tomorrow will be more fun than today. You never know unless you go there. And like. There's there's obviously a there's obviously you know obviously like we all have to grow up right we all have to kind of face adulthood but like the way in which they try to like console this dude is like so fucking like toxic. <laughs> and like tried not being sad. Right, kinda, it's basically yeah. kind of what it is. And like the thing that we need to mention every week, of course, is that unlike in Persona, where you get taken over by your shadow and then a bunch of plucky teens beat the shadow into submission and it becomes your cool like fight ghost. Uh, that doesn't happen in D-Side. When you give into your shadow, you die. Like, explicitly, if you yep. give into your shadow... So this kid <laughs> fucking dies! So this kid, after being mocked by these characters, gives into his shadow, and then he dies, and all of the heroes just kind of stand there and be like, Damn, how could this have happened? How could we have stopped this? And it's like, you and could... They're, they're, yeah, and they're like, man, if time really stood still, that would be a terrible life to lead. And they just they walk away dramatically. Oh, it does a postcard does a postcard memory. The kid's dead on the bench. <laughs> this sounds like an like one of those extremely heavy handed handed anti drug PSI. Oh, you know, that end with the kid dying. Uh, you know? All right. Don't well, abuse time loops. If only they right. did actual like <laughs> What dare to resist or uh, something. If they did a drug episode, I'd be like, oh, that I would wish, be hilarious. It's too late now, because too, unfortunately, we hit episode, uh, the plot zone. episode 10, which is basically the last of the weekly special episodes. Uh, before, Based on the previews, we enter the plot of the endgame. Uh-huh. And what better social thing to tackle this week uh, than, than their love lives? Their love lives, and more specifically, the extreme awkwardness of 
of being a a a heterosexual person who gets hit on by uh, a gay person, basically, and how I bet this is gonna go. You great. navigate how you navigate that situation, right? Mm-hmm. And how does one like you know again like our protagonists aren't like cruel or bigoted, but like the guy who gets confessed to is a straight guy. He is not attracted to men, and it's like, okay, how does one navigate this in a way that like <laughs> leaves everybody? Uh, 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 <laughs> So, <laughs> right, like, I joke about gay panic, but also, like, it very much, this is not, this is not praising D-side, but also mm. this is not condemning D-side. But I'm going to straight right. up claim here that D-side trauma rate quite literally handles the topic of, like, LGBT relationships better than any Persona game has ever managed. <laughs> That is an extraordinarily low bar. Yes, exactly. but it is still a bar that Design mm-hmm. manages to pass that Persona consistently fails. Right. So basically, main guy gets finds a love letter in his locker and goes, "Oh man, I can't wait to meet her." Uh, and they play this for quote unquote laughs for a few minutes until he does meet the person, and it's a it's a boy. And they're like, he's like, oh no, well, uh, uh, maybe we should start as friends. Right, it's like the classic, like, dude is just so, again, like, not bigoted, but, like, so dumbfounded that he just, like, does not know how to, like, adequately, adequately respond. And the thing that I was really worried about is that, like, he kind of has this, like, a very again, a very Persona-esque dynamic with the rest of his crew, right? A, a sort of, like, friendly but teasing, like, mm-hmm. relationship, right? So I was, like, deeply worried, oh, the girls are gonna find out about this and, and then, like, like ha, ha, ha. shit on him super hard, right? Make fun of him. And the uh, the implication here being the mockery is from, ha, ha, you're, you only attract men. Girls end up being, like, actually super, like, surprisingly understanding. And, in fact, the only thing they're mad about is that the protagonist is leading on this guy rather than, like, letting him down and being honest. So you're saying that after all these episodes of complete insanity, the characters suddenly start acting like reasonable human beings? Yeah, basically. Like, the girls are basically, like... That's not fair to that guy. Like, right? You can't just he, you can't he, just say, "Well, I don't dislike you." Start as friends. Like, you need to actually make it clear that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like again, weird. Again, it's it's the thing about D side where, like, despite all the fucking insanity that we we that we describe every podcast, there are these occasional glimpses of like insight into like human nature that are like weirdly on point. But they are, like, maybe one every, like, ten instances. <laughs> uh, well, also, D-Side's written by the writer of Persona 2, right? Which is the one yes. Persona game that has a gay option. <laughs> yes. So, you know. Anyways, so once that gets taken care of, then the next, like, chapter of Gay Panic sets in, which is, uh-oh, the evil gay. Uh, which uh-huh, is because oh boy. he was rejected, he, the, the guy becomes the victim of the week, and... Starts giving in to the the, the, the the bad juice. Right. The evil shadow whispers in his ear, Hey kid, if you do the drugs and give your soul up to me, I'll make it so he falls in love with you. And, uh, you know, he mm. lets it happen. And 
you know, but long they story do, they short. They do stop it before it kills him, yes, at least. Yes, yes. And it's kind of just taken care of. Like, honestly, like, the main character does, like, on, like does have an honest, like, heart-to-heart with the guy and lets him down. It's like, look, I just can't be what you want me to be. And then they punch the monster, and it kind of just gets wrapped uh-huh. up like and that. And then oh, they I reveal mean, that the guy's glasses-wearing best friend who's not been seen since episode two is actually the baddie! The real villain. Who would have guessed? Mm. An uh, Akmon-level twist. Yeah, so... Nothing is that level. In in a lot of ways, I'm not going to call this episode disappointing because I shouldn't actively root for, like, harmful things to be made in in media. But on the other hand, I was kind of, like, ready for this to be, like, the train wreck to end all train wrecks, and it ended up just being merely... But, But the distinction there is that, like... I think if this had been, like, a horrible train wreck, that's actively harmful, like, to the viewing audience. Yeah, so that's why I I am, like, making it clear here, it's probably for the best that it was not, like, actively mm-hmm. offensive and harmful, but also, this show has handled, like, so many other, like, topics with, like... The grace of a sledgehammer, like... Boxing that, gloves on. Exactly, yeah. that it's like, I was so ready for this one to also kind of, like, hit that level... And so for it to be the one that is, like, weirdly nuanced and on point is, like, pleasantly surprising, but also, like... I will say, I mean, I think that that speaks to a certain... Competence is not the right word, because, like, I I think, you know, I'm sure the show is perfectly competent in, in many regards, but a certain understanding that sometimes you can't yuck it up with a certain topic, right? Like, you can still present it flamboyantly, but, like, you can't just have horrible people being horrible when it comes to something like this. You know, a social issue, which is... Showing that guy beating his wife, though... Right, because, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, this is the same show in which, like, we are, are, like, given a, like, ten-second-long scene of, like, a man giving a sustained beating to his wife, and that was handled with, like, the grace of a sledgehammer, to, like, use that term, so it's like... I, I mean... Like, <laughs> violence has never been as problematic as sex and gender. Like, that—that yeah. that is all. That is always mm. the bizarre dichotomy that has dictated modern but, mass media. I, right? I guess what I mean is like, I don't like. I, I get what you're saying, Jill. I, 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 sorry, not Jill Zig, but um, I think no. Please compliment me more. Um, <laughs> but I think. I, I think for better or worse, this definitely feels more like a case of accidentally stumbling into something because, like, yeah. Just because, uh, based on their track record, I do not get the impression that the writers were suddenly like, oh man, like, LGBTQ, like, relations are actually, like, a real deal. We gotta, like, do this right. When, like, they have handled topics that are just as grave and, like, dramatic in in human society with none of that nuance. Right, I I guess I'm just saying that, like, like, be it by, like, deliberately or more likely by accident, the fact that the show actually can be sincere for a moment and doesn't just like fall apart into just mountains and mountains of bathos at least right. shows that there is there is something there you Maybe, know it, yes. it is, I mean it is sincere in its stupidity and that means that you occasionally do get to have bits like this sure. right? I mean I'll, I'll say this right you and I are still watching it like we in some regards it is our most anticipated <laughs> show of the season uh like it's doing something. Like, that something is not always good or, or well-executed, but it is doing something in a season 
where that is a like serious short. Yeah, at this at this so. point, uh, my most anticipated show season is probably getting to finishing Getter Arc so we can watch Getter of Armageddon instead. You know what? Fair enough. That is right. I, I am not including backlog because in that case, <laughs> I would say my most anticipated show of the season is Thunderbolt Fantasy. But we'll save that for <laughs> well, later. Well, we'll, the we'll podcast. get to that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter can finally talk, right? <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> What's this show? Uh, Dragon Maid. Wait, wait, yeah. If Jell's not here, we need someone to catch us up on Dragon Maid. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm still watching Dragon Maid. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, to be fair, like, um, I, I, I guess rather before we like catch one recent ones i've had a bit of a weird thing with dragon maid in that um i watched episode one and then didn't watch it for a few weeks um because of the ending of episode one i was just like oh this is not going to go well mm-hmm. um like i guess kind of on a, on can't a similar, really, similar can't point. really blame you for assuming that yes like surprise you've got a penis and it's like oh no just yeah but then it then they sort of kind of just skip past it and go okay well that happened um Mm -hmm. iron it out just uh we're just gonna move past that from what i've heard they toned it down considerably yeah this is uh, people saying that is what got me to go back and start start watching it again because uh because um, yeah, apparently in the in the manga, there's some it, it gets pretty bad, but um, like Kobayashi like hitting on Kana bad, um, yeah, listen, that's a thing apparently. But but would uh, you say then that like once you've gotten past that, it has like settled into a like an acceptable rhythm, like a uh, a uh, uh, one that like manages to balance because because every time gel talked about the show he constantly talked about it in the sense of like this show has simultaneously some of like my favorite moments of anime and my most hated moments in anime and it seems like it was constantly a battle of those two like aspects balancing each other out oh like, yeah like, yeah like um I, if it, it's the thing i don't remember season one very well and i think that's hmm. somewhat to a, a detriment because i keep thinking <laughs> was it was it really this horny in the first season? And, <laughs> and it was just like, um, like it, it was. Was everything quite this audibly bouncy in the first season? Because I don't remember it being quite that bad. But um, but how but much yeah. of that is like you remember all the best moments and like all the like anime bullshit just like you Glosses know over. fell out of memory <laughs> yeah so um so yeah um but yeah it's 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 definitely gone into more of a rhythm it's uh it it, it has a i guess on the topic of rhythm it has a kind of an interesting show structure um like has anyone read the any of the manga by the way no i i have any of us here ever watched an episode uh, of dragon Maid? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I watched the first episode when it aired, and I was okay. like, oh, this is one of the Kiani shows that's not for me. Because <laughs> um, as far as I'm aware, the original manga isn't a Yonkoma. Um, like, it's not a four-panel comic. Uh, oh, it's manga. like an actual serial like, yeah. 
story. Um, okay. But this series feels like right, an right. adaptation of uh, of a Yonkuma. Right. Like, or at least it, it's like a, a weird half and half. Like they'll have a um, like um, like they'll have the first ten minutes of of the show will be a single story. And then there'll be a bunch of side stories that are happening either around the same time or because of it or whatever. And they'll last like a couple of minutes and then there'll be a, a longer bit again. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it, it feels a bit odd, but it like it, I guess uh, uh, this kind of makes sense. It is uh, Kiyoani after all. It, it's a bit like Nichijo in that respect. Yeah, I was but, actually about to say, I believe Nichijo is also not a... Uh, for coma, right? It's like an it's a, it's like an actual manga, right? And mm. it kind of has a similar structure, or at least the anime did, right? Yeah, so like, what you're saying is it's bad. Oh, hold mm. on, let's not fucking lump in Dragon Maid with Nietzsche Joe. Yeah. That's, that's... no, that, okay, okay, fair enough. All right, Nietzsche Joe is worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, um, DJ. <laughs> so I, I will maintain my stance here. Nietzsche Joe, the one good Kyo Annie anime. <laughs> um, but but I'm i there is a lot of Nietzsche Joe influence in. Uh, in Dragon Maid season two, uh, Dragon Maid S, um, like even the opening, like is very, very um, katakata katamoisi. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, like recent episodes have been very much um, uh, uh, giant booby girl. What's her name? Iroru is um, now working at a sweet shop and has her own like person to frustrate. Because like each dragon mm-hmm. is somewhere and has a, a human that they rely on them or is right. friends with question mark cohabitate yeah yeah sort of I mean it yeah. is staying with Kobayashi and um and is kind of on a similar level to Kana but not at the same time because she's working in the shop um and then the owner of the shops uh grandson is just like i think high school but it's just like awkward around her because you know big booby lady um, sure fair enough um it's it's a very similar dynamic to um Luka and the and shota Luka and shota that's that, those are the names um except the except the ages are reversed basically um sure and yeah, it is just very much a stuff happens. It's kind of adorable sometimes. It's kind of lewd sometimes, and it's just uh, I, there's not a lot I can like. There, it is pretty. Like there are some really cool moments, and there's some. I mean, fair enough. It is Q and A, so right, yeah, um, yeah. I I yeah. think I'm, you know, my major interest in this has been as the first major Q and E project since. The terrible disaster that befell them. Obviously, I've I've been interested to see how much of their traditional style and strength is preserved. You know, right? Um, yeah, like it. It feels very like as as I say, it feels very similar to uh, Nichijo, and indeed, um, uh, Tetsuya Ishihara uh, was the director of Nichijo and is one of the directors. Um, Oh, is 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 well. This is kind of awkward. Is the director of Dragon Maid S, but also they have um, Yasuhiro Takamoto uh, posthumously credited, yeah. credited mm. as series right. director as well. 
Um, so with it being very similar to Nichijou, that kind of makes sense. Um, season one of uh, of Dragon Maid was Yasuyu Takamoto, of course. So, um, so I guess there's some uh, inspiration from both sides there, which might explain why it feels a lot on Nichijou. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, uh, it is the first thing, a uh, first series since uh, 2018. Um, but obviously yes. there was yeah yeah I I was I was thinking actually that we could kind of use this as an opportunity also to discuss the stuff around Naoko Yamada, which has kind of made a mm-hmm. few waves happening yeah, as well. So like... for, for people who don't know, Naoko Yamada is one of the Kyoani lifers. You know, she directed K-On, Tamako Market, Sound Euphonium. Uh, she co-directed that with Ishihara. Um, she also directed the respective movies. She directed Liz and the Bluebird and A Silent Voice. So, you know, she is top-tier, you know, Kyoani lifer. And... The big news was that she left the studio and is making her new series, The Haker Story, uh, at Science Saru with yeah. Enyung Choi and the crew over there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very interesting move because, you know, like for you know, despite like how you feel about like their output, Kyoani is sort of famous for like being a pretty like a pretty decent studio, right? That like is invested in yeah. the growth and development of its talents, and so it's like what. Again, and, I'm not here. Right. I'm not here to like speculate, but I'm very curious what drives someone like that talented and at a studio that treats its talent well to like strike out on their own. And you know, the the technical skill of the Kyoani animators is beyond reproach. You right, know, and they're... so that makes me wonder. Like, is there like is there something about the story she wants to tell that she believes that only because let's let, you know let's let's you know let's not like fucking give Science Saru the short shrift. Uh, you know, Tokyo Sinks excluded. Like Science <laughs> Saru has put out some really excellent stuff in the past, but of a very specific style. Right, and, and also you know there have been alleged issues with labor and crunch like there have been at pretty much every yeah. anime studio that's not KyoAni, but, you know, and put it this way, it is Science Saru, although, you know, it has produced some very acclaimed works, it does seem to be a more traditionally set up I would, anime I would studio, that, let's yes, say. But, you know. And so that's why I'm very curious, look, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'll ever get the, like, tell-all, so to speak, but I would I would certainly read an interview about her, her reasoning for joining Science Saru, because... Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just that she has a story she wants to tell, and she thinks that Kyoani can't tell it, you know? like Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this about Kyoani in the past, you know, but it does seem that their house style is somewhat of a straitjacket at yeah, some point, like, yeah. and, you know? And for better or worse, they tend to go with, like... I, I, I don't... I, I, they tend to go with things that feel like they're going to do well financially, if that makes sense, right? Like, even mm. if, you know, they, they can be good works, they can be, like, meaningful, sincere works, but they're always works that feel like they have enough of that it factor to, like, always guarantee, like, decent BD sales, you know? Like, whether that's, like, cute girls or, you know, a certain setting. It feels yeah, like... Hot boys. Sure, or, and, or hot boys, yeah, yes, exactly. You know, and, and it's difficult because, of course, that financial muscle is part of the reason they can offer such good exactly. working conditions and stable environment. But, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at Yamada's uh, filmography... You know, I think that something like A Silent Voice, you know, is uh, some of the more serious, mo- some of the more serious, more dramatic material that Kyoani has done in a and, while, you know. Yeah. Uh, Liz and the Bluebird, certainly more experimental than the main Sound Euphonium series, you know, which a very good show, but 
very much in the Kyoani wheelhouse. And right. to, to me, you know, you are moving to a studio that is renowned for, like, extremely out there sort of animated anarchy projects, you know, stuff like the Tatami Galaxy or, you know, the work they did on Space Dandy, Azoken, that kind of stuff, you know. To me, that says that you are trying to push your creative boundaries, but I think obviously so. we don't know for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting nonetheless, I think. Something we'll you know, have to keep an eye on. I do, and, I do know that on uh, the Haker story, as well as um, uh, Yamada Naoko, there's also... Rika um, Ushio, yeah. Yeah, and um, Ushio Kensuke doing music as well, um, who did music on Silent Voice and Listen to Bluebird as well. So there's, right. there's, there's, so it, it, there's a few there's a few of them together on the on take a story uh, rather mm-hmm. than just Yamada but uh, but yeah um, uh, I mean the first episode is going to be out in what three days four days whenever yeah this, we'll cover it's, it it's like really soon it's like oh is it that soon jeez well because yeah. it's an ONI an original net animation oh, so okay. it doesn't have yeah. to fit within the so. traditional anime time frame. anime continues fucking with our goddamn podcasting schedule <laughs> yeah. man we're gonna be like. Yeah, we talk about Fina, like Pirate Princess next season. Like I don't even know how we're gonna cover like Haka story. Like shit, man. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I would say is that it's not unusual for like directors to have production posses that they travel sure. with. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that at Science Saru with Yuasa, with Enyung Choi, and you know right. some of their top people that you know tend to work on everything they do. Oh, oh I man, mean, if Jojo gonna... Part 6 is going to be monthly, <laughs> like, y'all y'all read about that? Like, they're going to release them in monthly batches? That's like, weird. Like, I mean, the... Baby Netflix steps, I guess. is going to release them in monthly batches. Yes, yes, I Every know. single We're... person on the internet is going to have other ways. Of course, that. yes. But n- nonetheless, it's... What a weird... Uh, what a weird situation. <laughs> <laughs> just just briefly before we uh before we get on to the next one on the, just on the topic of science so um uh, i can't remember if it was mentioned on the podcast already but uh a se- the the sequel to um Tatami galaxy is being done by science so yeah i heard about that yeah. i'm super interested in yeah, that but yeah again but I, it's... there's a part of me that deeply worries that like i am now past the age where Tatami galaxy resonates with me but there's a part of me that hopes that the sequel is being made knowing that and and understanding that mm. but um I'm, it's it's going to be kind of interesting because uh, Yuasa stepped down as president and isn't directing right. it so it's it's someone else at that Sanctuary is also doing right it. it's, it's Shingonatsume. Mm. oh no right that's the thing that made me nervous yeah. uh, is he also writing no writers I um, the the um uh, makoto Sure, sure, because, okay. like, you know, Shingo Natsume right. knows yeah. how to make something look good. Yeah, you're right. It's just that, look, Sunny Boy maybe has, like, maybe uh, 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 dulled the luster of Shingo Natsume's story. Going out of order in the show notes. All right, all right. Let's talk about Octotope <laughs> instead. Uh, okay, who, let's just get this out of the way. Who thought Kukuru was going to, like, commit a crime at that at that <laughs> at that at aquarium right like the way that fr- that shot was framed in episode time to episode burn it nine. down <laughs> right also what happened w- w- did we miss an episode uh good question like between between episodes nine and ten right like i actually nine... have not seen episode 10 yet no uh, i have also not seen i've it. not seen oh, episode okay. four yet oh my god <laughs> all right okay so i'll try to carry this then um, sure so, as you all know, episode 9 was the one in which, like, the lady from the other aquarium visited, right? Yeah. And 
she was like, oh, you fucking small town aquarium. Everyone, you here, know, is so, everyone here is so provincial. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think they actually did a surprisingly good job of exploring the nuance of that conflict, right? Of, like, Kukuru, like, no one is doubting Kukuru's, like, devotion to the aquarium. But also, like, she kind of did inherit it. And, like, mm-hmm. from the perspective of, like, somebody in their mid-twenties right out of college who's trying to get a job in what is described as a very competitive industry... Yeah, I can understand where that resentment comes from. Um, yeah, but the, so the weird thing, right, is that the episode ends with that stinger of Kukuru standing in front of the fucking like aquarium, like this is fucking cloud in front of the Shinra building yep. or something. Like it's like framed in the way it's like, is Kukuru about to commit a crime? <laughs> well, not to well some Just, minor spoilers, okay. but episode ten basically kicks off as if that stinger never happened. Oh sure, like. It doesn't even address it. Like, episode 10, like, it's just... She was just, back she was the, just scoping out the competition. I guess. She's just back at the aquarium, and, like, it is not alluded to in the slightest. Like, not even a little bit. And it's a really kind of weird narrative cut. Like, it, it almost feels like there, sh- there was supposed to be an episode between 9 and 10. Because 10... I, li- I actually like episode 10 a lot because... Of many of the reasons why I liked parts of uh, Sakura Quest and Shirobako, in that mm-hmm. it's pretty dark and cynical, like because like in episode nine they had, they had like a week and a half or something before it was supposed to close. Yeah, and so episode ten is kind of just about facing the inevitability. Right. Like, Kukuru has exhausted every option, and like mm-hmm. it's becoming fairly apparent the aquarium cannot be saved. Uh, she tries to. She try, basically tries to go for a last ditch hail mary, of trying to. <laughs> trying to advertise the vision quest <laughs> as a feature of the aquarium, mm. and thankfully mm, everybody, uh... every single character she says this to steps in is like Kukuru, you can't advertise like delusions. <laughs> as... Come and get high in the aquarium. Of an aquarium. Like, it's not viable. Like, this is literally false advertising. You could get in trouble for this. And it kind of explores a little bit of, like, Kai's backstory. Like, the blue-haired dude and his relationship with Kukuru. And, like, Mm -hmm. it it kind of gets into this thing of... I mean, he has kind of just been, like, long-suffering childhood friend 101. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of get into that more in a way that's, like... Again, pretty cynical. Like, I don't know, long story short, Kai basically does see a vision. And rather than tell Kukuru about the vision, because he knows that if he told her he had a vision, it would get her hopes up. Right. He he lies and says, he I just didn't see anything. It. Yeah. yeah, he's like, no, there are no visions in this aquarium. Like, this aquarium can't be saved, Kukuru, basically. And the, the thing is, um, like, I think all along the decision to go with the fact that the aquarium cannot be saved is the much more brave one. Oh, but, without a doubt. Like, but there's still more than half of this show to go. So that's the problem. We still have another, like, 12 episodes of this show, and... But also, there's a part of me that's, like, excited, because how many anime cover, like... You messed, you failed at your goal, and now you have to you deal failed. with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, 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 Sakura Quest starts with that. Shirobako, 
flirts with it, but I don't think I've ever seen one of these, like, workplace anime that is explicitly, like, you have outright failed in your mission, like, like by every metric, and now you must live with your failure. And okay, I, but... I kind of want to see that. But what if that's not happened? What if that's not what happens? What if suddenly there is a, a miraculous or possibly even literally magical reprise? Oh, man. I, <sighs> I hope not. Like, the because show has that's, a... A way, that's a way you can feel another 12 to 13 episodes. Right, because the show like... does have magic in it. Like, the, Local the god delusions or whatever. are implied to be real, and you have the little, like, yeah, little boy river god or whatever, and it's like... I hope that's not where it goes. I, I think... I, I, after episode 10, I would like to believe that the tone they are communicating in this show is that this is a show about falling down and, you know, in theory, getting back up. And I hope that's where it goes. But mm-hmm. you are right, Zig. That specter always hangs in the air. And and also, you know, I just have my doubts about PA Works' ability to close on... I'm not even going to call it a cynical take, because I think it is a realistic and... You know, we all fail sometimes, and sometimes we do have to abandon our dreams, you know. When, like, when I was five years old, I wanted to be an astronaut, but then I realized I couldn't be because I wasn't born in the United States. Um, But, uh... Is that really how it works? Has there never been... No, no, of course it isn't, you know. No, but you do have a serious leg up if you're... Uh, Fair enough, fair enough. But, um, But the point is, you know, like failing and you know sometimes not reaching where you want to be is is a part of life you right. know and i don't and, think that's and... cynical that's that is an important lesson that we all learn oh, of course one point right and like it needs to be reminded that kukuru is like 17 or something uh-huh. uh they explicitly show her birth date in this episode and i have never felt so old in my life <laughs> uh, her birthday is july 7th 2004 <sighs> Don't be ridiculous. Two thousand four uh, was just the other day. Uh-huh, I, uh-huh. I literally felt my body like <laughs> shrivel and die. Yep. <laughs> Cough up some uh, tomb dust, like yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it's like Cuckoo, you got your whole life ahead of you. Like don't please don't burn down an aquarium, <laughs> like. Or do like or that d- would be badass at least. So that's the thing, right? So that's the thing. Babsu doesn't address it at all. So I am like I don't know what happened to that plot point. So. I don't know, maybe we'll find out in a couple episodes. But yeah, that show continues to be what it is, but I'm, I also find myself to be continued to be lar- you know, still compelled by it. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged that it sounds like they're going a little deeper in this upcoming episode. Well, upcoming for me, at least. But, you know, I think that they are going to have to keep going deeper and deeper for me to, like, feel anything. Because so so far it has just been, you know, it has been that, that playbook to a T and... You know, it's fine. It's very pretty. It's, you know, everybody is nice. And there's just no tension or friction, frisson or anything like that. You know, it, it, I, it's so paint by I, numbers. I, I think, I think, I think you're mostly right. I would say, like, I don't know, like, check out episode 10. I think they are starting to introduce some friction in some interesting ways. Like, again, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, like, that. there's going to be, like, some, like, grand conflict but i do think that like there's an element of like with the aquarium coming to a close uh tensions and relationships are relationships are being tested because it is a stressful period for these people and right that is starting to come out in episode 10 and so i would say how many episodes before uh blue haired dude admits that he secretly loved kukuru all his life 
the fact that it didn't happen this episode tells me <laughs> that uh oh, I think I think our boy Kai might just be uh, dropping out of this race because mm-hmm. uh, well, we'll see. Motherfucker we? is given a JFK assassination tier window to get in his get get his shot in, and he does not take his shot and. Uh, I don't now know, tell, man. I think... Now tell me, Mr. G, what do you know about the JFK assassination <laughs> <laughs> that we don't? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he, he is he is there to, like, provide plausible deniability of homosexuality, basically, right? Basically, like, yeah, that's kind of that's the reality, mm. let's be real. All right, well... What about what about this next one? Yeah. What about speaking this next of Shingo Natsume, as if the past yeah. five minutes didn't happen? Uh, Sunny boy. Huh? Sunny boy. Uh huh. I feel as though Sunny, me watching the past few episodes of Sunny Boy, I am reminded of Shingo Natsume's work on Space Dandy. However, I feel as though Space Dandy had a through line. Uh, that allowed you to get your bearings with each episode, no matter how yeah, strange. Yeah, Space got. Dandy was a dandy guy in space. Mm. Uh, I feel as though Sunny Boy lacks a concrete base, mm-hmm. as such. That and that is something I'm constantly searching for and unable to find. And I think that's kind of where I am as well. Of well, that, I, that is not I, necessarily a bad thing, but it is. But I feel I personally require some something to. To grasp onto yes i i, I, think, I, think, I, I that... think that that's where i'm at as well of like just real quick i, I will say that like look i'm not demand look we're like 10 episodes in i'm not demanding that like right Sunny it's too late now like, no but 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 for uh, for me personally like with Eero, it is a it is a case of i get that you're doing this on purpose and maybe it's just not for me and it's never going to be for me right i i think for me you know um I think last time we spoke about this, you know, I was very disillusioned by episodes four, five, six. You know, I I felt that they were not great. To me, these... And disclaimer, I've not seen the most recent episode, which is episode ten? Nine. Right? Nine. Okay, yeah, I've only seen seven and eight. But um, I think both of those were very strong bounce-back episodes, and episode 8 in particular I really really liked and I think part of that is because it was a smaller scale piece telling what is a sort of self-contained story slash vignette you know and I think that it leverages the the strengths of the show which are you know storytelling through strong visual and and mood pieces you know and and I think that um it there was an there was an emotional rawness and honesty to it which i think was lacking from a lot of the other stuff and although it was still largely incoherent i think at least that that emotional rawness is enough for me personally to anchor onto and feel that thread which either you feel that you can't find mm-hmm. so to speak and as i said i don't think that that means that it is any more understandable but in that episode especially and to be clear this is the episode about the past of dog boy um uh, what's his the name mysterious crystal uh, plague or yeah whatever. crystal plague and stuff yeah i think that you know there is there is a focus on character-based storytelling there and it's still all very abstract and very big picture 
allegorical philosophical stuff but i think that there was enough emotional investment in there for me to really feel that for the first time in a while that sort of storytelling was working and it was getting to me the vibe, the vibe uh, i was joking about that was gee that the vibe yeah. i got from episode eight was uh this is this is the backstory to a like a, a, a sub area in Dark Souls or something. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. This, like is, this, this is the backstory <laughs> this is of a like a might. This is the this is the Dark Souls lore video uh, that you find that somebody's pieced together from item descriptions and two NPCs. Yes. Right. Like yeah. exactly. Like this is a minor covenant or something. It looks and... like a vendor <laughs> in Dark Souls and, and <laughs> like uh-huh. like to take that joke and sort of expand upon it. You know. I think that non-verbal allegorical storytelling is inherently stronger is hard, but mm-hmm. it has a leg up when it is dealing with tragedy, because tragedy mm. is such a direct emotion that appeals to you in a very visceral way that I think it is easier to communicate that sort of feeling through you know, a very sustained audio-visual barrage like that episode was, you know. And I think that there are plenty of things you can ding that episode for, you know. It's more manic pixie dream girl bullshit, you know, and and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it sort of goes around in circles a bit. But I think, like I said, I think there is something there, and that something was enough for me to get invested and enjoy, you know, the way they tell the story. I did appreciate the use of non-linear storytelling there because it makes it kind of authentically weird and rambly in the way that you might tell a story from well thousands of years ago that you are barely remembering you know and i think it is the first episode in a while that has focused truly on how characters feel and how that affects the things they are doing rather than just feeling like the characters are doing things because they're doing things, you know. And, again, I'm not defending it as perfect. I think there are plenty of problems with it. But it did make me invested. I, and, I, I, I get yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I think, like, I, I would agree that, like, I think if I can, like, remove my biases and, and like, uh, preferences, looking at it, like, in a vacuum, I do think that Episode 8 is one of the strongest episodes of Sunny Boy. Like, it clearly... Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, there's there's a way in which it carries itself. You can feel, oh, this was the one, right? This is the one they, like... This is they the episode, went to the, yeah. yeah. Yes. And like I said, I, I think a lot of that is because they are effectively telling a bottle story. You know, yeah. it is it is because it's a whole episode flashback, effectively. And I do think the fairly regular cuts back to the present day actually help because they sort of add to the air of being on a journey but yes like if you are you do have the advantage of like one of the big things we've knocked for sunny boy is that there just is no plot to sort of thread the the various scenes together and because you know you have a simple story but you're telling it in so little time by almost by definition there is a bit more continuity between scenes Mm. peter you're a cop of sunny boy as well right yeah, um, so I, I watched the latest episode earlier today. Um, uh-huh. uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, like I'm, <laughs> I, I don't really have quite as, uh, quite as fine a description of how I feel about the show. Like, I I'm enjoying it. I don't think I've there's been an episode that I've actually disliked. Maybe the monkey baseball thing, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say, but but otherwise, like I've not really hated any of it, um, and 
Like, it's... The characters are all kind of interesting and they all have their own weird stuff going on. And um, I've just been... I've, it, it Like, every episode has been an interesting ride, but uh, uh-huh. the, the, lack like any, like, the lack of any... The lack of any, like... Yeah, like, it's... Yeah, the, the lack of any... Uh, as you say, no, there's no real thread connecting it quite as much apart from they just want to get home. Um, but even mm-hmm. then, it's like... you, it, It's starting to see, like, there's... Like a lot of them on that first at this point, um, but yeah, like it's. I, I I just want to say I think it's really interesting that they've effectively excised ninety percent of the cast, which is kind mm. of an an admission that they weren't actually that important to begin mm. with. So right, it's uh, telling I think. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah, everyone has been kind of interesting, even if I'm not quite sure how it all fits together. Um, I they're all really interesting to look at. I like they 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 do seem to experiment with uh, some animation styles sometimes, which is fun. And yeah, I, I, I yeah I can't really say that much about it. It's just really, I just enjoy watching it. <laughs> hey, I think that's fair. You yeah, know, like um, it's definitely like visually probably one of the more uh, no not even one of the more I would say the most visually impressive show this season. Yeah, I mean, like with Natsume and the team he has assembled, though, like that's that's a fairly that was a fairly safe bet even before mm-hmm. we started. Right, like th- the thing I will say is that after like Monkey Baseball and and the few episodes surrounding that, like even I, who is like classically the person who likes weird fucking bullshit stream of consciousness shows, mm. I felt like even I was out, and I I feel like these these past few episodes i'm not all the way back in yet but i but like they restored it to this is something i want to see more of you know and i i think to a certain extent i i think the thing i was surprised by was how they righted the ship for me in that regard Mm -hmm. all right well speaking of writing the ship uh get a robo arc writing the planet-sized killer space spaceship that is one piece of the eldritch cosmic entity that is known (laughs) as Getter Motherfucking Emperor. I was astonished when Iroh told me this happened. Oh, dude, yeah. I was like, I think my first first reaction was, wow, Getter Emperor, and my second one was, wow, how on earth are they doing that on their budget? They're (laughs) not really (laughs) doing it. (laughs) I mean, Getter Emperor is just like alright. So like so far up till now, Getter Robo Arc has been pretty simple. Like we're on Earth and we're gotten the robot and we're fighting the evil bugs that are coming in from from space. And now the but our and our last resort is we gotta take the fight to them. We gotta go in through their portal and fight the the evil bugs from space. So they did that. And uh, they pop out on some exoplanet, and they're like, "All right, time to fuck the old bugs from space." And then Getter, the Getter fleet arrives, and Musashi, who died many years ago by blowing himself up, uh, appears and is like, "All right, kids, you didn't just go across the galaxy; you also jumped thousands of years into the future, and you need to join the Getter fleet because humanity has." Use the power of Getter Emperor to take over the universe 
Except for these guys, they're trying to stop us from taking over the universe and killing everyone by going back in time to kill Earth. So we're going to exterminate them first. Uh, with our dark death beat. <laughs> and the power of Getter Emperor. And, like, this all happens over the course of, like, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. And so oh, I was yeah. just like, what? what? We, we've escalated so heavily. Yeah, it's it, like, it sounds like they've completely spun around the premise of the series, but it's like if, if it's like if episodes like nine through twenty three of Gurren Lagan happened in fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like that and, level and of escalation. I should probably clarify for people who understandably do not know what Getter Emperor is. It is basically Many years before Tengen Topaguren Lagan existed, like galaxy sized robots were the preserve of Getter Robo. Getter yes, Emperor Getter is Emperor... a robot so large it almost fills the known universe, basically. Yes, yes. Getter Emperor was the OG big dick giant robot. Like, right, you know, just... it's supposed to be like the, 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 the primal. Primordial it, it is, it, form of, of yes, Getter it is Rays. The primordial like, Getter. Like, all Getter Rays. The ultimate evolution anyway, of yes. Getter Rays. The characters are basically told uh, because you, for for reasons, we, we the Getter Emperor fleet, cannot destroy the, the, the evil bug men. You, you from the quote unquote present have to go in and do it. Uh, oh, you brought these Saurians with you? Well, once you're done with that, we'll just kill those guys. <laughs> yeah, there's like a bit where like Musa like it's very much like a case of like meeting like it's it's very much a case of like meeting your war hero grandpa and then remembering he was a huge racist. Uh-huh. Because like Musashi was one of the he was the OG Getter 3 pilot, you know, with with uh, Ryoma Nagare and Jin Hayato. Mm-hmm. And now he and, and he bravely sacrificed his life to kill those dinosaur bastards. And now he's here like in the future, like, after, like, four different arcs of Getter have happened in the Ishikawa Getter universe, and things have changed, right? Like, we've established diplomatic relations with the Saurians, but you're meeting your grandpa who still thinks it's World War II, and he's still like, man, I can't wait to genocide the dinosaur people. Uh-huh. But I guess we need them for our mission to kill those other guys first. And this, <laughs> and one of the pilots of Getter arc is a half-human, half-Saurian... Uh, and yes. so he is sort of, he, <clears throat> he has to, uh, go on a solo mission during this segment and the, the evil bug people are like, you know, the getter guys will just come after you once they're done with us and we're about to be destroyed. So we'll give you the key to, to something, <clears throat> to some kind of weapon that when you some go, sort of super when weapon. you go back after destroying us. You can use it to destroy those humans and destroy the that blasted getter, and then the Saurians can take over. And he is, you know, mulling this over, uh, as as <laughs> the episode ends, I guess. As the as the getter boys are outside fighting, um, uh-huh, and Rich- Zig, you'll understand this. Era era has not yet got to this point, so we did not understand the visual reference. But they fight what is very clearly like. An alien copy of Shin Getter Dragon. Sure, that sounds cool. Yeah. Is there any reason that it's an alien copy of Shin Getter Dragon? No, no explanation uh, is well, given right. other than you see, that it is clearly just channeling like the visual design of Shin Getter right. Dragon. I mean, like for the sakes of like impact, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that. That's not 
a terrible crime, but also I feel like if you're going to make such an explicit reference like that, there should probably be an in-universe reason. Well, they started playing, like, an orchestrated, like, rendition of Heats when Shingetter Dragon showed up, so, like, sure. they knew what they were kind of doing, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's weird that, like, I mean, how it's, it's our, relations with, rela- our relationship with art continues to be a very weird one, because, like, it is clearly, like, doing, or trying to do these cool things, right? It is trying to live up to the legacy of, like, Ken Ichikawa's manga mm-hmm. that was famously never finished, right? right. And it's, like... They are given the very unenviable task of giving fans a satisfactory conclusion to a story while also doing it with, like, one hand tied behind their back and, like, with, yep. you know, also this is change like the in fifth the couch. Or, also, this is, like, the fifth or sixth time somebody has tried to do this as yes, well. Yes, yes. Although my understanding is there has not been a TV getter in, like... 30 years or something it's been a while and (laughs) besides that there's not really been a a getter anime that has directly adapted the manga in any form uh is what i've heard that is correct so the whole history seems like a mess yeah the whole history of getter robo being adapted into various other mediums is a mess Mm -hmm. yes like it is it is very it is very interesting that a work that is so messy could be so influential but i think it does speak on some level to the sort of like right the primordial appeal that getter gets at that maybe in some ways even surpasses mazinger z right Uh, and uh but uh it's kind of up in the air whether i think uh this whether this anime will like give a quote-unquote proper end to get robo arc or if it will simply end where the cliffhanger was in the manga so well, they got two episodes left, yep. so we'll find out. Minders. I mean, fucking a, like Getter Emperor hasn't even combined yet, right? It's still the three ships mm-hmm. version. Like, it hasn't even done the full combination. It's like, well, that's got to be coming, right? Like, how many sure. planets have they destroyed so, so far? A lot. Uh, yeah, four? that sounds about right. Maybe like with the dark, anyway. dark death beam. <laughs> kind of surprised it's as few as four. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, a lot more off screen. Didn't Get Emperor destroy the entire universe in one continuity? Well, I guess I just mean a planet is destroyed on screen. Right, the implication okay, is that Musashi yeah. has been waging thousands what he has literally been calling the yeah. Getter Crusade for thousands of years. So sure. Uh-huh. The implication is that there's a, sort of this mass universal genocide happening some, at the hands. Get some Warhammer 40k shit right. up Yeah, basically. Anyway, we've also been watching Garo Armageddon, which uh, they blew up New York City. Uh, they sure did. Which is but the two towers normal. are still there. Yeah, that was kind of wacky. Uh, <laughs> like they they are smashing their way through New York City, fighting monsters, and the World Trade Center is blatantly in the skyline. It is fought around and between. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then they blow up the whole city to destroy the bad guys or whatever. Uh, yeah. Armageddon is Armageddon. Sure. It's just continuing its natural, like, super robot escalation of Saltome's schemes to destroy uh-huh, the scientist shows I mean, up on screen and goes, ha, 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 my scheme is continuing. Ha, for ha, better ha. or worse, like, there is not much more to Armageddon than a series of great fights. Like, yeah, I, almost I also, literally. It, it is a shame that we did not get to it in time for this podcast yet, but I do believe, like, the next episode of Armageddon we were about to watch is, like, 
I mean, it, 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 whatever. It's the Stoner Sunshine episode. It's Don't it's I, it's coming up. I know that, that the right. moment is coming up. The legendary <laughs> one. Yes, yes. But yeah, right. it continues to be yeah. what it is. Yep. And speaking uh, of continuing to be what it is, My Hero Academia is still trucking along. Yeah, we don't need to spend long yeah. on this. We just we we it's it's it is the arc that is colloquially known as My Villain Academia, in which uh, the villains Their uh, the villain arc, the, yeah. the villains league become the protagonists as they fight against um, the what is it like the mutant the, the, Meta Liberation Front or something Meta Human yes, Liberation yes. Front. And basically, the conflict at its core thematically is meant to be a conflict between villains who are social outcasts versus villains who have, like, explicit political aims. And, like, the differences in how those two villains are often motivated in fiction. Um, but, anyways, the whole point we brought this up is because the main uh, leader of the Human Liberation Front is a guy named Reed Destro. And Reed Destro's uh, quirk is, um... So, wait. Hmm? Any relationship to Destro, Destro... Uh, that well, over my God, I have to do everything around here, don't I? The GI Joe villain. I don't know oh, anything about oh, GI Joe. Oh, the guy with the metal head. Yes, no, unfortunately not. Uh, Alas, it's, it's it's a weird thing of like there's a villain in that manga named Destro who is like uh, backstory basically. Mm-hmm. For, for all we know, matter. it is a reference. I don't yes. know for sure. But anyways, Reed Destro's power is that he basically uh, he's like the Hulk. But instead of being powered up by getting angry, more specifically, he gets powered up by being stressed out. And the thing we arrived at is, oh, he's like, actually, <laughs> like, the most powerful version of this would be if Redestral was a millennial. Uh-huh. The millennial Hulk. The millennial Hulk. Could possibly be the most strongest being in existence. Sure, if, uh, print it. Yes, a being powered by stress. Right, we're like, like this guy is lo- losing against the you know more main character villains because he's supposed to be st- he gets stronger by being stressed out, but he's a CEO. He's rich. He's a CEO. He's got he no reason to stress. He ha- he has he has never felt true stress. Like he claims he's stressed out, but like he's also a multimillionaire. Like mm-hmm. ironically, Reed Destro would be stronger if he was. A, a, a mid-twenty-something with a mountain of college student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... Uh-huh. Like, just, a, like just imagine if it was just the a, If it was of, just a, like, low-level act, political activist, or... Exactly. Uh, you know... Or just use Twitter. Uh-huh. Yep. Like, <laughs> he like, would power Destro, up. Right? Because, like, the whole thing is Redestro powers up by getting stressed out, right? So, in the show, it's like he thinks about, like, his cause and, like, what drives him to fight for his cause, and that makes him stressed out. And I'm like, that's baby shit. If you looked at Twitter, uh-huh. like... Shit. Vaccine denialism! Right. Ah! Like, like Twitter did My power what? level's increasing. <laughs> exactly. The president said what? What's going on in Afghanistan? Like, easy. Would have, like... Blown away the villains. Like, not an issue at all. But because he's a CEO, because he has privilege, I okay. feel like he has actually not lived up to his true potential. So, here's my take on it. Redestro would be have been way more powerful if, in the past of the My Hero Academia universe, Geta Robo had blown up the Twin Towers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Perhaps that is a bad taste joke, but... No, that's fine, you know. whatever. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, and that's all we've said about my hero. That's academia. all we have to say <laughs> yes. about my hero academia. Uh, speaking of blowing things up, actually, there is uh, one fairly important development which we yes, need to I talk about, about before we finish up this show, which is 
there's a new Carmen Rider. Wow. And, um, like, it's better than the last one in the it's same way shit. that, you know, filling your eyes full of red hot needles would have been better than the last oh, one. Um, well. No, so, like, this is the official 50th anniversary. Even so. though <laughs> Saber was totally supposed to be, right? Like, yes, and, then... and they sort of backpedaled <laughs> out of it. It's so funny to me. Yeah, they there is there is uh, a press release where they quite, like there is a very audible like hand breaking noise where they say like well throughout the entire year we'll be developing uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know uh-huh. stuff for the anniversary you know but anyway like this seems way better it appears to cherry pick a bunch of ideas from old Kamen Rider shows in in the way that long running franchises often do so what's the gimmick this time uh, uh, so the gimmick. Do you want to do it, Ivo? Everybody, everybody has a, a devil inside of them, and uh, oh, it's Devil Man. Is it not Devil Man? Like, a little bit <laughs> less ejaculation. Uh, mm. um. <laughs> and uh, so the villains are trying to, you know, use this, uh, trying to awaken these to suck their power up so they can resurrect their, you know, evil god or whatever. Sure. And meanwhile, there's a paramilitary organization that has developed technology to uh, allow people to use their uh, inner devils to power up and fight the bad devils. Actually, this might be closer to, like, Shin Megami Tensei in some regards. A little bit. (laughs) I mean, like, it's also worth pointing out that, like, Kamen Rider has a long history of like making contracts with weird spirit beings, right. but, to also, gain your powers, but also, but so. also using using the bad guys' technology against them. Uh, yes, mm. you know the bad guys. By the way, are dressed in what I can only describe as Day of the Dead meets Liberace outfits. Wait, they're, what? they're in those super wacky costumes. Let me see if I can find a quick image. It's in. It's in the. Uh, I put an image in the post if you check it out of them. The one where they bust through the wall. Wait, um, these are your villains for this arc? These, this dude in sombrero, like yeah, uh-huh. yep, oh yeah, are, they're the this bad is your guys. Main villain. He's uh, well, not we like, don't know that yet. But... Not like a dude in a rubber suit. Not like a dude like in like black. So they are the three armor. like like lieutenants. They are probably right? monsters as well. It's worth right. pointing out. But All like, right, fine. they did have monster like, forms. Yeah, the villains okay, in Carmen okay. Rider are almost always human because, you know, it's kind of hard to act through a rubber mask. Yeah, and, fair enough. You know. yeah. But yes, these are currently the headline villains. Um, yep. It's pretty uh, good. All right, man. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> sure, um, you know what? Anyway, so, like, the big driving gimmick of this one is all the toys are, like, stamps. Like, the Japanese stamp you use to, like, accept passwords. Right, because uh, sure, when you make a deal with the devil, you got to stamp the contract. Ah, uh, you know, that's not bad. Actually, that's not bad. That's <laughs> And anyway, like the big like story gimmick is that there are like there are literally two riders, two titular right, when riders. The guy... Car- Sorry, go ahead. No, there is Carmen Rider Revy and there is Carmen Rider Vice. So Wait, isn't that rider. like a thing all the time? Like there's multiple riders? No, there is always a second rider and sometimes a third or fourth or fifth, like twelve Wait, or thirteen is the record. Uh-huh. But like But the whole the idea here is that they are both the titular rider and they are both, you know, the main gotcha. rider. Yeah. When he transforms, his he he transforms and also his his inner inner demon comes out and transforms ah, into a different common okay. rider. Gotcha. And of course, having twice the number of riders means you can have twice the number of sweet powers. Right. Um, uh, does the demon anyway. have a cool voice? Like he is um, voiced by Todo from Jujutsu Kaisen. 
Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. He seems fine. Yeah. I, I was about to say, does he have like a, a cool voice like uh, what's his name in Garo Zaruba? No, I wish. <laughs> Not quite that cool. Ah, uh, that's too bad. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, like it's like it's always too early. Everybody to call. like the, the, it's always too early to call because like sure. I say this every year, but these openers are so strictly formulaic that it's right. difficult to say. But it's hard to tell, like. But there's an important disclaimer here, which is I don't hate everybody straight away, which, yep. again, was a problem with Sabre. Uh, well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. But they're going for, like, a, a setup we haven't seen for a bit, where, like, there's a weird, like, our main character has a weird family dynamic. They run a bathhouse, so there's, like, wacky dad and, you know, long-suffering mum, and there's some classic common Rider shit where it's like, oh, actually, his younger brother was meant to have the belt and be the Carmen Rider, but like, he chickened out, and mm. you know, that dude is almost certainly going to turn evil at some point, and all of that stuff, you know, so they're, they're, they seem to have a bunch of new ideas and, and you know, the opener was fun there was some great action, at one point he kicks one of the bad guys through a concrete wall, which looks terrific mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah you know, I'm quietly optimistic, it seems like, it seems fun Yep Hopefully it will be uh, good and not the complete mess of the commerce that it was. Hmm. <sighs> well, uh, with that taken care yeah. of, is it time to enter the, the backlog, backlog zone? zone? I mean, uh, it, will... stuff continues as normal, I think. Yeah, uh, Ninja Slayer uh, continues to be Ninja Slayer. Uh, we finally got to uh, our favorite jokes in the series from the last time we watched it, which were... Uh, Alabama Drop. Um, Yes, and no one can match the power of my bio Eido. Uh, Alabama. But yes, drop also. But yes, yes, also. Oh, Namu, the Alabama drop, that technique that was famously developed uh, uh, by ninjas in the Texan Ninja War of Independence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was, and they specifically say that like the Alabama drop was developed because of like. The, the, the soft clay soil of Alabama, like, allowed like that, for the yeah. use of this technique. And, like, the weird thing about this joke is that this is obviously a very dumb joke, but there's actually a kernel of truth to that Alabama's soil is famously, like, high in clay content. And, like, this has given it, like, specific properties that make it different from soil in other regions of the country. And it's, like, the weird thing of, like, this is a dumb joke, but also somebody at Trigger, like... Knew this tidbit... <laughs> For... knew just enough about uh, this <laughs> and then we go into uh, a like dramatic two-parter about how yeah. this assassin silver silver crow or silver karasu is is yes. dying of eternal disease and all he's known as life is killing but and now he was hired to kill this innocent ninja girl and like well this time i won't do my job i'll, I'll teach her karate Dang, man, it's like I watched the movie Leon the Professional once. <laughs> yep. And so, like, in this show is a complete chip host 90% of the time, and then you get the this, like, stuff that is still comedic because it is an Ninja Slayer, but as we say every time, the the, the bits and pieces of Amamiya that you can see where, how they reach Gridman and Xenon. Is this basically the equivalent of, like, Inferno Cop fighting his way out of hell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, in the sense of that, like, it's like, as much as this is very much like a very, like, irreverent, like, shitpost comedy series with, like, zero depth to it, it's like, you occasionally see here and there these, like, experimentations outside of the genre that, like, 
sometimes aren't even funny, right? Don't even have a joke or a punchline. They just exist to be an expression of a very specific, like, type mm. of artistic vision. Right. And it, it's very interesting to see those crop up from time to time in Ninja Slayer. Um, right. I would say I would and, say in in the framework of Ninja Slayer, like it's very dissonant to have these bits crop up. But yes, yeah, it's. But as you know, as we as we've of course seen later on, like with a more cohesive tonal, uh, tonal show like Gridman or Dynasty on, like this type of storytelling shines. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, also, then there's an episode immediately after that in which Ninja Slayer joins, like, a socialist liberation, like, group. Uh-huh. Like, Fights evil, evil red ninjas. Literal communist ninjas. Well, he initially joins the communist ninjas, uh-huh. but then, as always, as is wont to happen in communist revolutions, um, the the commie ninjas uh, 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 hijack a train that's, like, transporting, like, I don't know, fucking weapons and material and stuff, but... Uh, there are civilians on board, but they're they're, bourgeoisie. they're they're dirty they're dirty bourgeoisie children, and thus uh, they must be purged in the name of socialism. And so, <laughs> as I was joking with Ira, I was like, "Wow, I didn't know Ninja Slayer was so based in red pilled here." Like Ugh. he turns on his communist like allies, and he's all like, "Ah, oh, like you claim to stand for like liberation, but you're just using it as an excuse to vent your violence on." Uh, though on on the privileged or whatever, and there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If there's much to apologize <laughs> here. I mean, maybe we we probably shouldn't kill children, but also, you know, maybe the bourgeoisie had it coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyways, so very you know, dumb, very silly. It's that show. Yes, uh, it did lead me to the uh, the musing though, because this episode of Ninja Slayer was again about like. A group of ninjas very much mauled after what feels like a, like, student socialist, like, activist group. And then there was also that one episode of Little Witch Academia in which Akko joins a labor movement. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's a very specificity to these, like, even though they're played as jokes, there's, like, a real specificity to, like, how they're portrayed. That I'm, I mean, I, I can't help but wonder, like, is somebody... Was somebody at Trigger once a member of like a student like labor front or something? Even because... even comedy reveals something about the creator. Exactly, right? right? Like, you like, can't that's help kinda, it. Yeah, like that's kinda what I was telling Eero is like even the types of jokes you make speaks to like your experience, right? And so it's like was a Maishir Amamiya, like, in college, like, maybe they weren't a member of one, but, like, were they, like, dorm mates with, like, somebody who was a super hardcore, like, student activist, like, right. or something, because, Lived like... Lived across the whole from the Judean people's front. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's a real, like, specificness to it that it's like, huh. Huh. Alright, this crowd has cropped up multiple times. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Thunderbolt Fantasy continues to be the coolest fucking show in the world. Uh, just, like, straight up. Uh-huh. Like, this show is fucking badass as hell. I love it. Like, just, uh... It continues to be, like, a wuxia action, just, you know, spectacle, mm-hmm. but very, I think... Uh, very, uh, sta- I would say standard dialogue and such, but played, like, at 11. Just with a great presentation on, uh... 
on everything. Yeah, like there, there's just such a pomp and circumstance to these puppets. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good, and you know, uh, you know, spoilers for like a five year old show, but you know, we're gonna pour one out for our boy SPK, Screaming uh, Phoenix Killer. Yeah, yeah, uh, he. You know, you know how it is. Everybody's watched a Shonen before. Uh, the main villain showed up, uh-huh. and uh, we needed one member of the team to fight the villain to show their uh-huh. true power. Screaming and f- our 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 good good uh, violent psychopath friend, Screaming Phoenix Killer, uh, decided it was his turn uh-huh. to, to to step up to the plate. And uh, it's a good fight, though. It's a good fight. Like they do the classic Wuxia thing of like. This battle ending yeah. right in eight moves or something, and SPK is like, "Huh, that's enough for me." Like three to test his limits, mm-hmm. like three to three maneuvers to close the distance, and then two killing blows or something, you know. And it's like, <laughs> "Sorry, SPK, it didn't quite go as planned." But <laughs> no, but remember, Screaming Phoenix Killer is so skilled that when 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 faced with with the bones of creation, he foresaw his own death. But, ah, but one right, who, right. who fights with die, the sword but... always lives a life of inevitability. Exactly, so... <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a thing of, like, I have a real soft spot for characters who are introduced and are obviously going to die. And thus, like, the showrunners give them, like, just, they just pack a ton of good dialogue and moments into their short span, like, their short lifespan. Like, oh, uh, this character's only going to be around for, like, eight episodes, so we're just going to make every line he says a banger, and every time he's on screen, like, really good. I mean, and... there's a reason they describe those characters as too cool to live, right? Exactly. SPK was too cool to live. Uh... Also a violent psychopath, uh-huh, but you know what? Uh-huh. He was a good friend. <laughs> was he? <laughs> anyway. Good show. Good really show. Good I'm, show. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Uh... Yeah. Just a good dose of Usha. Yeah, just Stuff. it's it's a good shot in the arm every week. Like I uh-huh. feel like this this season has been kind of not not necessarily low energy, but just hasn't had a lot in terms of like real like pop out of your seat moments. You know, there 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 ain't no Akudama drives uh, this season, <laughs> and so it's nice to have something like Thunderbolt Fantasy that's just uh you know just willing to go go wild right. every go single like, time. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I think is, that, that's, is, that, is that the one? Yeah, I think that's the wraps of this this week's. Um, Dose, unless uh, there's anything else. Uh, I know I'd like to mention, like, since I bigged it up so much last time I was on the podcast, um, <laughs> uh, Shadow's House is getting a second season, which uh, right. I'm... Uh, right, Did, didn't you say, like, it, it needed one, basically, or... Um, it ended in a way that left some space for, like, questions in the future. Um, mm-hmm. And so a second season is good. However, um, the, 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 the artist group behind it, uh, Somato, um, said, we were only told that we were going to be doing one season uh, for, like, script supervision uh. and stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing second season, but we, we weren't originally expecting to do a second season. <laughs> and then um, uh, and then some of the people who have read the manga have been like, yeah, those last couple of episodes sort of, like, crammed a lot of stuff in that's kind of out of order. So um, uh, hmm. so it might be a bit tricky to follow on with the second season. Well, well, we'll have to see how well they can improvise. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it won't you know? be 
a promise never land situation. Oh, don't. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Don't jinx it. Yeah. Wait, what did you invoke there? Promise never land. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, there was a... Um, uh... Trying to think, that's... Yeah. That, that was this year, right? Uh, what no way. No, uh, no what even way. is time? Um... Yes, it was, yeah, well, so it was in this year, 2019. <laughs> God. Oh dear. Uh, on that note, I feel like we should uh, wrap up. Uh-huh. Yes, that indeed. sounds good. Thank you very much for stepping in on this one. Uh, no worries. And uh, thank, uh, thanks to everyone for, for joining in. Um, we've got uh, Arrow, G, and Zig. I'm Peter. Um, you should subscribe to if the Gloria Blog Podcast on your iTunes, your Spotify, your. Podbean and your YouTube, mm-hmm. Stitcher, Stitcher, Google Amazon Play, Music, Google Play. Man, I, I haven't had, I have not had Wait, to do um... this rollout since I stopped hosting Legend of the Glory of Heroes. But uh, <laughs> there's a part of me that feels that reflex in me, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, <laughs> iTunes, YouTube, you know, Stitcher, etc. Yeah, you can watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes on High Dive and VRV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not new, non like VRV anymore. High Dive is no longer part oh, of Oh no, VRV. you're right. I saw that news. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shit. Peter. You should wrap this up. <laughs> Follow the Gloria blog on Twitter at the Gloria blog, and on we're on Facebook, the Gloria blog. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll we'll keep doing common rider coverage for as long as it remains fun. So probably at least a few episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a promise right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, thanks for everyone for, here for joining in as well. Peace. <laughs>